hello and welcome back to In the Growth Space. I'm David McGlennon and I'm really grateful to have you listening in, my friend. You know, I get the uh, honor and the privilege of talking with a lot of great leaders here on the podcast and they all have unique perspectives on, you know, how to grow themselves and how to grow their teams and grow their companies. So I wanted to be able to have a way to uh, share those stories and those, those conversations with others. And so really that's what this podcast is all about. I believe that we can learn so much from others when we're curious and we get to ask a lot of questions and hear others' stories of growth. And today's no different. So today's guest is a really smart and intentional leader. And I love the lessons that she shares as a CEO and as a leader with a growth mindset. So I'm talking today to Jacqueline Jordan Core, and she has such a great growth mindset and a unique view of how to build an engaging workplace. She has two doctorate degrees, uh, which is amazing in and of itself. Um, and, and she's a lawyer that specializes in the mergers and acquisition space. And really, she's a great example of a leader who's finding ways to adapt to the new world of work. And this conversation is such a great reminder of, of how to build an intentional organization, an intentional organizational culture, and really being an intentional leader. It's also a great reminder about being intentional with our growth. So there's a lot of intentionality in this particular episode. So um, a lot of great reminders as we go through this conversation, how to keep yourself growing. And I know that you're going to love this conversation. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation with Jacqueline Jordan Core. Well, welcome, Jacqueline. It's so great to have you here on In the Growth Space. Um, glad to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited because um, you and I have, you know, gotten to to know each other, you know, not too long ago, fairly recently, and. Um, I, I just kind of love the story of your growth and, and the growth, you know, of your firm. Um, and, and so I'd love to just kind of think back and just get uh, a little insight on what got you interested in law? I mean, you've got multiple doctorate degrees. So, I mean, A, you loved school, obviously, but what got you into law? <laughs> That's true. I'm definitely a lifelong learner and, um, and have been accused of being overeducated. You know, but I had a really inauspicious start in, in law. I was not like the kid who um, grew up my whole life thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. I think it, more than anything, uh, I was a product of poor high school guidance counseling. Ah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, it was a, of course a different time when we were in school. And I think I knew of like a sum total of five things I could be. Right. My mom was a teacher. So I knew you could be a teacher yeah. and um, I knew you could be a nurse somehow. <laughs> sure. uh, um, I don't know how I knew that. Uh, I knew you could be a nurse and my parents had an accountant. So I think I knew you could be an accountant. Do that. <laughs> and then it seemed like, you know, the smart kids uh, were supposed to go be doctors or lawyers. Right. Yeah, so very different yeah. time, yeah. not a big focus on, you know, what do you love? How could you change the world? What impact could you make? There's very, very few paths. And so I went um, to high school, not knowing what I wanted to do. I left high school a year early and went to college, not really knowing what I w wanted to do, but thinking that I would be a doctor, ah, okay. a doctor. Yeah. Um, and 
my brain does not work that way. <laughs> right. Math, math and science up here. It's a scary thing. Uh, oh, no. Business math. I got really good at, you know, when sure. I was a CEO and, but, yeah. um, but it's just not, it's not the natural way my brain processes things. I'm really a social sure. scientist. And so I started undergraduate with all these science classes and not mm-hmm. long into it. I thought, what am I doing? Like, this is not the way my brain works. I don't love this. And, um, I, I just, but I had had a great American government teacher in high school, a woman named Carol Henry, Mm. and she loved American government. Her class was hard. Lots of people didn't like it. It's hard, you know, Sure, Uh, she's super inspiring. I've often thought I should like call her and thank her. She's the real reason, right? When I didn't know what else to do and I needed to change, I thought, well, I'll go be a lawyer, right? I'll, (laughs) I'll, um, I'll make that what I do. Right. Right. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how one teacher can really like turn you on to something and really kind of like unlock the, you know, the, the desire within you and and the curiosity within you. I, I, I think a lot of times teachers don't realize they have such a huge impact on young people. Oh no, it's, it's so true. And I, you know, when I think about that, I think that I really was in a situation where, um, I, I had, I was fortunate to have a couple of really great teachers. I had a great in high school, I had a great, um, English teacher, mm-hmm. uh, a guy named, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Martin. He's amazing. And, oh, cool. um, and this great American government teacher. I mean, not that the rest of my yeah. teachers weren't great too, but yeah, yeah, sure. those two like really stand out as people who really challenged me and made me think. And, and that's what made me love learning so much, right? Those yeah. classes. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I often think that she, that I owe my success to her because she was the one, she was so excited about American government that she made it fascinating. Very cool. Wow. So, so you got, you got interested in law, you went through, you went through the the training, you, you, you got into law. How did you, um, you know, how did you get to where you are today? You have your own firm and, you know, you, you're, you're doing some things that are, you know, new and different, at least from my perception, you know, with, with law firms, I mean, your, your firm is, is all virtual. And, and so that's probably something that's fairly new, um, you know, given, you know, the pandemic and all of that kind of thing, but you guys make it work really, really well. And so what kind of got you into thinking about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that how we survive or how we do well virtually was almost in some ways an afterthought. Um, We had Michael and I, my partner, we had both worked in really big firms. Mm -hmm. I was at Steptone Johnson. He started at Lord Day and Lord in Midtown Manhattan. Um, And so we both had big firm experience and a lot of our lawyers have had big firm experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we didn't love the culture of big firms. Yeah. Depto was great. I made a ton of amazing friends there. Uh, so many really wonderful lawyers and good mentors there. Yeah. Uh, but it always seemed, you know, so big that it was impersonal. Mm. And um, Michael and I met at a midsize firm and we just, we kept talking sort of iteratively about 
how would this look if it was ideal, right? Uh, if people yeah. woke up in the morning and they really wanted to come to work mm -hmm. with us and they really wanted to be part of something, yeah. uh, you know, and we joked like we're not creating a law firm. We're trying to create a movement, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I but we just it. over the years, we had heard so many people complain about how terrible big law was and how terrible working at firms were and uh, how they hated their jobs. And and yeah. we just said it doesn't it, it seems so simple. It really shouldn't have to be this way. And so yeah. really what we started doing was just asking questions of ourselves at first, but also of yeah. other people, like, what would it look like if it was great? Mm, yeah. Right. What would it yeah. look like if it was great? And people yeah. said really simple things like, well, I would feel appreciated mm, or, yeah. um, the things that, that, uh, were said to me would be true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if people said they were family friendly, they would really be family friendly. It mm -hmm. wouldn't be, well, sure, you could go to your your son's baseball game, but you knew that there'd be something held against you or you knew there'd sure. be a consequence of that later, that there really yeah. would be no consequence, that if people said you can go to the baseball game, they really meant you can go to the baseball game. Yeah. Um, and that kind of led us to talking about, do we really need lawyers to work nine to five, right? Mm, yeah, right. And one of the things when I left corporate America and being a CEO to come back into private practice, which was always my intention. Um, I love practicing. I had left private practice and went in-house because I was raising two boys and sure. it was, you know, they were my first priority. And so it was better for them, uh, for me to, to not be at a big firm. And, and I had a litigation practice at the time and that wasn't family friendly. It was not sure. conducive yeah. to raising two kids. <laughs> Um, sure. so, but I always loved it and I always wanted to come back. And, um, and so one of the things that happened to me is when they went off to college, I wanted to be able to see them run their division one mm. distance runners, as yeah. you know, and, oh, you yeah. know, I wanted to watch them run and I still wanted to be an important part of their lives. And that meant that I needed flexibility. And when I started looking for a job, what I found was a lot of big firms were not willing to be flexible. They said things like, you know, you can use your vacation time however you want. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I thought, good. well, that doesn't seem like that flexible of an answer. Right. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we started talking about, well, what difference does it make if you worked the weekend so that you could take a few days off because that worked better for your schedule yeah. or you worked in the evening because you needed to be somewhere during the day. You needed to be at the school during the day with your child. Right. right, right. Um, why would that matter? So long as the clients got good client service and we were very responsive. And so mm -hmm. we started with like, what would we want our client service standards to be? And mm -hmm. so things like, you know, we want emails to be answered within 24 hours, same day if possible, you know, at least sure. acknowledge you've gotten something, provide a timeline of when you're going to get it done, stay in mm -hmm. communication. Um, and th that's really the most frequent complaint we hear when people come to us and they've been with other lawyers. It's like, I can't get my lawyer to call me back, right? It's oh, such, gosh, a, yeah. such yeah. a basic thing. Basic thing, um, yeah. We started with what do we want our standards to be? And then how can we be flexible within those standards? Because we didn't want to create a situation where the client service was impaired in any way, sure. but really our clients, I don't think they care if people are doing something at 
five o'clock in the morning because they're a morning person and they can do that before they get their kids up to go to school. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't right. matter, right? right. Um, they wake up and they look at their email and they say, look, things happened while I, you know, while, while I was asleep. While I slept. It's yeah. a long miracle. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, right. <laughs> so, you know, so that was really what it was about. It was about kind of defining what this team would look like. And then we started pulling people together and people started saying, oh, I really love this. This is amazing. And so that, as you know, that's kind of what led us to you, right? Is sure, how do sure. we have this culture that we like and people are happy and people feel appreciated and how do we preserve it? How do we keep mm -hmm. client service standards? How do we do good work? Um, mm -hmm. But still keep it the kind of place where people wake up wanting to go to work in the morning. Yeah, gosh, that's so great. And you know, the thing that I hear in 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 all of that is really an intentionality. You're you're very, very intentional with asking good questions and 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 actually being intentional of of creating the culture that you wanted to have. And I think that for many leaders, they don't realize that they can lead the culture. They and they can create a culture where people do want to come to work and they want to be able to be valued and appreciated. Yeah. And, you know, it's meant, it's meant some hard decisions. Sure. Uh, you know, when we been, have been looking for team members, you know, at one point we made a decision to pass on a, a, a Harvard educated guy who just had an amazing credentials, um, great experience. You know, he had been general counsel for a fortune 500 company and we just, we met with him a couple of times and we thought he's just not the right fit for the team. Right. Sure. So yeah. there have been like, that was one of the hardest decisions we ever made is to take this guy who we knew uh, based on his background and our discussions with him was a brilliant lawyer, sure, but who we thought wasn't going to fit the culture of the team. Yeah. That's, and that's so important because once you have the, 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 the intentionality of having a culture and, 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 and intentionally creating the, the behaviors, the, you know, the fundamentals of the organization, you can then more easily decide who's a fit and who's, who's not a fit, you know, and, and, you know, I know that isn't, it's not a perfect science, but it, it is, it does give you a heck of a lot better chance to bring the right person in if you have those things defined. Yeah. And I think it's let us be transparent with our clients about who we are yes, um, of course. And, and how we're going to interact, how we intend to treat them, how we expect them to treat us and treat our people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we've drawn some real lines that I think are good lines there. Mm -hmm. And I think that that level of transparency and that ability to articulate, you know, what you call an intentionality, like what, what are we really looking to achieve here? And, uh, and what's our goal? And how, how are we going to operate? The ability to articulate that has been amazing, because people know what they're getting in advance, and people know what to expect. Yeah. And yeah. I think kind of having the expectations, you know, has has been really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess what are some of the things that as you as you've grown your 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 firm, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way in that growth path? Because, I mean, I, I the one thing I do know is that you, you know yes, you're growing, you're growing really really well, um, but you're not growing just to grow. I mean, you're growing very intentionally along the way, and so I, I'm kind of curious, like what 
what led to that and, and, and like, how, what have you learned along the way? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing Michael and I both would say we learned is how to meet people where they are. Uh, um, yeah. You know, we said we're going to meet people where they are. Um, you know, so this has not been a, a 100% entirely smooth path, right? I sure. mean, we've made mistakes and we, you know, we are learning as we go, uh, which is part of the beautiful part of it too, right? Absolutely. absolutely. But, um, but I think, you know, we had said, we, we really want to meet people where they are. And, um, and then like in the next breath, Michael and I were saying to each other, you know, why, why aren't some of these people so excited about this? Like we are. And, you know, it's like, well, wait a minute. Eventually we said, wait a minute, that's not where they are, right? Uh, it's, sure. You know, they they want to use their brain. They want to do good legal work. They want to be involved, but it's not their end all be all, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I think we had to look back and ask ourselves, what's it really mean to meet somebody where they are? And yeah. are, you know, are we going to do that or not? Right. 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 Uh, because there is a point where we said, like, we don't think we're meeting this person, you know, where, where she is. She was mm -hmm. being transparent and honest with us, yeah. but we were expecting her to be more excited or more, you know, all in sort of about it. And yeah, and that's sure. where she is, but she's an amazing, you know, she makes amazing contributions to the team. So, yeah. you know, learning those kind of things, like, what's it really mean? Okay. Mm. You say, and I think that is part of the, that is part of the problem that happens, right? That's what got us where we are is that people do want to do the right things. People want to, uh, you know, people, people want to be family friendly. Mm -hmm. People want to honor diversity inclusion yeah. conceptually, right. right? But then, but it's, but you get so busy that you, you have to realize that to do those things you have to devote time and energy and you have to mean mm. it and you have to talk about it and you have to re-examine it. And, you know, you really have to think hard about what it means to make those promises to people. Yeah, and and yeah. that's what I think, you know, Michael has been amazing as a partner in, in doing that. We've spent, we spend a lot of time just like talking about how we make these things work, how we make this better for our people. We spend a lot of time asking them, you know, mm -hmm. what do you need? Are you okay? Do you have enough resources? How's the workload? How's right. the work? Is it the kind of work you want? Is it, you know, is it working out okay? Are we supporting you? Do you, you know, do you, yeah. do you have ways we can make it even better? And that communication about those things, not just saying, oh, we're going to be family friendly, right? Yeah. But talking about what would it look like for you, you know, as, as someone who's working with us for us to be family friendly, mm -hmm. right? What would it look like for you, for us to really honor diversity and inclusion? Yeah. Right. 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 And so not, not just saying we're going to do it, but actually yeah. exploring it and kind of mm -hmm. deep diving. And maybe some of that's my academic background, right? Sure, like, sure. PhDs in human geography. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but, but kind of deep diving into those things has made so much difference because we're able to engage those people, you know, as, as part of the team that's steering the ship. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, I mean, I think that that, that makes your organization 
a heck of a lot more valuable because you're using their you're using the strengths of of everyone and you're finding out what makes it great for them and and you know that takes a lot of again i'm going to go back to that word intentionality but it also it it also takes a lot of leadership it takes a lot of leadership to know that hey we need to downshift here for a second we need to talk about these things and you know i i know that in the world of law i mean time is money i mean and so to 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 slow down and do those things means that hey this this is taking a higher priority than money. This is taking a higher priority than, um, you know, billing our clients, but because I'm doing this and because I'm slowing down, it's going to mean that we're more effective and we're, you know, we're, we're serving our clients in a deeper way. I, I don't know if that's an accurate statement, but that's kind of what I see from my perspective. Yeah, it, it definitely, it's definitely accurate. Right. I mean, first of all, we said when we, when we started this firm, Michael and I said, we will not be driven by greed. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually lowered Michael's hourly rate fifty dollars an hour when we when yeah, we left. Wow. Uh, we said we're we're remote. We have less overhead. We don't need to charge as much, right? Sure, we can pass sure. savings, you know, onto our clients and and yeah. make people able to get sophisticated services at a at, at a reasonable price. Right. Uh, but you're you're right. I mean, it does take time. I mean, yesterday we we uh, we have an amazing paralegal who puts together our social media posts for us and sends them to us. Cool. And so, you know, yesterday she, she sent us posts and she said, it's, you know, it's almost February, February's black history month. Like here's some posts. And then Michael and I kind of went down a rabbit hole for like an hour, an hour and a half <laughs> reading articles online. Like how do you really honor black history month in the workplace? And what's that mean? And, you know, it kind of changed the whole tenor of what our attorney meeting is going to be this morning, which is, oh, yeah. you know, and we said, like, could we ask people to, to spend some time volunteering with a social justice organization or, sure. but we want to engage our people. Like, what would it mean for us to not just put a post out there on LinkedIn mm -hmm. that says, Hey, it's black history month. We recognize it. Right. Yeah, but what would right. it mean to do something meaningful as a firm? Right. So we spent a lot of time talking about that, but we always feel like all that time comes back to us because mm -hmm. when our people are happy, when our people know that we really value these things and we mean it and it's not lip service, mm -hmm. that we're trying to be intentional about it, mm -hmm. you know, it, it creates loyalty in them and it makes them such yeah. great workers and it makes sure. them care about their work and the quality of the work. And it makes them care about yeah. the clients. Mm -hmm. And so- mm -hmm. You know, I think it all pays off. I, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, you could say if we weren't, if we weren't spending this time, you know, talking about this, we could be billing and we could be making money. Right. Yeah. But in the end, we'll make money because we're doing the right things. Right. Yeah, right. We really believe that. And, yeah. and so it's been, um, it's been a journey. It's been an incredible blessing to have mm. these amazing people working with us and the time we spend trying to support them or trying to be intentional about these things that we know are important to them. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all time well spent. It, it all, it makes a team better. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I really love that because I think that it may, it, it makes a, a workplace a lot more um, fun to be in and, and, and meaningful too, because if you're doing things that are meaningful, like honoring Black History Month, like, you know, being intentional with your culture, with, you know, understanding your people. I mean, that really makes a huge difference on how people 
like feel on a Sunday night, you know, it's not like the, you know, the Sunday night dreads, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to get up and go to work in the morning. They're excited and they, they want to do the work and, and it's fulfilling. So I, I just think, you know, what you're doing is, is so amazing. And I wanted to be able to share with the audience, just uh, all, all about, you know, what y- your firm is doing and, and, and how you're growing and, and how you're being intentional with, with building it. Because to me, I think that that's, I think it's the the company of the future and it's, it's the company of the now too. But, but I think there's a lot of leaders right now who have um, been stuck in the old way of, of doing work and doing business when we recognize that I think it can be a heck of a lot more fun. And I think you can do a lot better work when you have people that really want to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think we try to look at it like an opportunity that's been entrusted to us, right? Sure. Yeah. Rather than, um, you know, rather, rather than a business. Yeah. You know, these yeah. people, these are people's lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. Even our clients, like these are their businesses. It's important. What we're doing is important. So, how do we treat it in an important way and how do we honor it? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm kind of curious. So, and that just triggered a thought for me, you know, because I know that you do a lot of work in the, the mergers and acquisitions world. And I, I'm kind of curious, what do you see when it comes to companies that have grown and, 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 and owners or, or, or business owners that are planning for succession, how do they, like, how does the stuff that we're talking about here, how does that impact an organization? I mean, do you see other companies that have actually intentionally grown their company through culture and their people? Or I, I guess I'm not sure what I'm asking here, but, but you have exposure to a lot of different organizations. And so I'm kind of curious if you're seeing, you know, a trend in, in, in the, the culture of organizations. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think we, we definitely see often new owners coming in and, uh, immediately sort of moving to more progressive positions. So sure. we often will see that, but we're, you know, we're, we're really, with some amazing clients that are doing some amazing things with their people. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of a great model for us as well. So yeah. because we do some labor and employment work and we're working through transitions, you know, seeing how people take care of their people during that yeah. is always, you know, it's instructive, right? If you pay attention, you can always learn. There's always something yeah. to learn. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and I guess if, if you, since you've seen a lot of that, is there something that if you were speaking to a, a, a you know, a, a room full of business owners that um, you could say, Hey, make sure that when you're thinking about planning for this eventuality, whether you, you know, you sell it to your kids or whether you sell it to somebody else, um, or, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about that succession that you don't want to forget to do this. Is there something that like is kind of a general message that you have for, for, I mean, I think the, I think a, a couple things, one, you have to start early. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you have to start early. So yeah. a lot of people run their business, um, you know, as they ran their business for many, many years without a lot of attention to, you know, what do our contracts look like or what's our corporate structure look like? And yeah. they don't realize that all those things are going to be put under a microscope by by a buyer. Sure. 
Um, so we do a lot of reverse diligence. Oh, okay. Um, is what we call it. Yeah. Um, in a deal, the other side comes in, they do diligence. They look at your yeah. employment and your insurance and your contracts and your people. And mm-hmm. uh, so we'll often go in um, to people who know that they're going to sell and say, let us look at all these things. And, and if you have things that need to be fixed, let's fix them sure. before you take the business to market. So mm-hmm. that a buyer coming in has a clean company to buy. So you don't have yeah. corporate issues. So you don't, right. and, and you know, there are all kinds of things, most, mostly unintentional. You know, we, right. we had a right. client recently who on paper didn't own all of the business. Oh gosh. <laughs> right. Had gone through divorce and, um, and her former spouse had never signed appropriate paperwork to transfer the ownership of the company over to her. Now we were able to get that done without any problem. He was very cooperative, sure. but you know, you can't sell a company you don't own. Right, you got to look <laughs> so, at that stuff, right? <laughs> you know, it, like she thought it was done. She thought everything she needed to do had been mm. wrapped up. And yeah. why wouldn't she think that, right? She right, had somebody right. help her through that process, but they didn't kind of put the last bow on it, right? Mm, yeah. And so finding those things early where you can fix it. And even if it's fixed not long before the company goes to sale, it's still fixed. Fixed is fixed, right? right? right. But there's no opportunity then for it to raise a red flag. Sure. And so yeah. often there are ownership issues. Um, you know, we have another client right now who uh, had bought a partner out and did all the paperwork he was supposed to do to buy the partner out, but the partner's yeah. name still on the operating agreement. So the operating oh, agreement okay. had never been amended and restated. So okay. we had to amend it and restated operating agreement, and get that former partner's name off the, off the governing documents sure. for the organization. So he didn't have ownership, but his name was still on the governing documents. Right. Yeah. And so those aren't, none of those things are things that can't be overcome, but when they're found in the process of a sale, they're one red flag, red flags. Yeah. Like, sure. Oh, okay. This is, this is maybe just, it, it's seen as, even if it's not sloppy, it might be seen as sloppy or seen as inattentive, yeah. right? Really these business owners, they've been doing the good work and running the business, right? It's yeah. not what you look at every day, but when we're able to kind of clean that up for them, then you're, you're eliminating red flags. And those red flags are the, fra- the flags that get used to decrease your multiple or to decrease right. your right? Yes. Right. People get nervous and they say, we need really, really strong reps and warranties against you because we've seen these problems or, and so let's not have people need to take that position because they feel the need to protect themselves in the transaction because you had some things that we could have cleaned up in advance. And so that's my biggest thing is, is start early, take Mm -hmm. the time to have somebody look at it. Um, you know, mergers and acquisitions is pretty specialized. And right. so, um, you know, if you have, you might have an amazing day-to-day contracts or corporate lawyer that doesn't have any M&A experience and they can't help you get ready. Yeah, right, right. right. And so taking that time and it's not really additional cost because you're either going to spend it getting your, your ducks in a row now, then when diligence happens, you're just going to say, here's everything, right? right, right. Or you're going to spend it in diligence. Right, so, right. you know, it's pay me now, pay me later kind of thing. Right. Um, 
it it's, <laughs> it doesn't increase costs, but it just it those red flags just go down. You can just knock them down because yeah. we know it's the same thing that's asked for in every transaction of a certain size and a certain sure. character for the most part. We know what those things are, right? Michael and I have got 50, you know, plus combined years legal experience and we've got, you know, people have been doing diligence on deal after deal after deal. So we yeah. can tell people this is what they're going to look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and and when somebody's thinking ahead and and thinking about, you know, that that planning, um, you know, how do, like, how soon should they start some of this process? I mean, let's say for example, you've got a, you know, a, a business owner in their, you know, early to mid fifties and they're thinking, maybe they're not even thinking about that transition right now, but should they be? And, and if so, I mean, what, what are some things that they need to begin to think about then, you know, like what's, what's first on their, on their, uh, to-do list. Yeah. I mean, so I think that everybody says three to five years. Okay. Yeah. Like five years is still a lot of years out. If you fix, yeah. fix everything now and then mm -hmm. you're not going to sell for five more years, it can be a mess again in five years if you don't, sure, sure. If you don't really tend to the house, right? So five years yeah. for that kind of preparation tends to be a, a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it is helpful to to think about what the time horizon is in two perspectives mm. because there's really two kinds of readiness, right? There's, yeah. uh, there's business readiness, but then there's also your individual sort of human readiness for this process. Right. 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 Yeah. And so if you think about it a few years in advance, then I think it also makes you think about, you know, we, we almost always ask clients very early on in our engagement with them, what are you going to do when, uh, when, once we close the deal mm -hmm. if we're, yeah. if we're on the sell side, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are your plans? And some people have a very clear, clear answer. They're like, oh, we have grandkids and they're in South Carolina and we're going to spend a ton of time in South Carolina, or mm. we love to travel and we have this list of trips that we want to take, or, yeah. you know, people will have some, you know, uh, some hobby, like I'm going to clear all the flat spaces in my house and I'm building model boats, you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but, but a lot of people have plans, they've thought yeah. it out. And then some people set will say, I don't have any idea what I'm going to do mm -hmm. when, when we close. Yeah. And, and so while it's not our job as lawyers, you know, we'll say to people, we'll think about that, make some plans, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Write down, start journaling, right. Write down, what you're going to do, what your plan is, yeah. what you want to accomplish when, when this phase of your life is, is over and you're on to a new phase, you know, make that exciting, but yeah. that personal readiness is really important. And that I think creeps up on people who either get a great offer out of the blue, right? We, we say there's kind of, you know, there's a number of different answers when you ask people, are you going to sell your business? Right. Some For people sure. are like, yes, tomorrow. <laughs> Some people say in three to five years. Mm. Um, some people say, well, everybody has a price, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then some people say, no, never, never, ever. Yeah. No, never, ever. People are really rare. Um, but these people down here in this quadrant who are, everybody has a price or mm -hmm. if the right deal came along, if the right deal comes along now, sometimes they get caught unaware. Right, right. right. And yeah. it doesn't, I mean, again, these aren't legal concepts, right? And we're certainly not counselors or therapists or executive yeah, yeah. or anything like, right? Yeah. Um, but 
sometimes somebody like that, you know, getting an executive coach to walk you through this or, mm-hmm. you know, but being to go back to that word intentional yep. about what the transition looks like. Yeah. I think when people start earlier, that's another advantage of that. Right. Sure. Yeah. So sure. I would say that's another thing that we just like people to leave the transactions excited and happy about the next phase of their life. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's another thing that I think, you know, as much as get the corporate house in order yeah, get the... and look at those things that are going to be asked for in diligence. I think there's also, you know, get your mental house in order. I think there's so much to be said about that human psychology. I, I had a, I had somebody on the podcast, I think it was maybe even last summer sometime. And, and she talked about the, I mean, she sold a business and this, and, and she actually kind of focused on the human psychology part of the like, Hey, well, what's next? You know, I see all these trucks, you know, you know, pulling my files away and, and, and now this isn't my company anymore. Now what, you know, and all of those human dynamics of, of that is, I mean, it's, it's, it's something I think that a lot of, I'm sure a lot of business owners don't think through. And so, you know, I think that the, the being intentional is really, really important. Uh, let me just shift, uh, shift gears. And I know I'm going to be real mindful of our time here, but um, so we've talked about, you know, business growth and culture. And um, I'm kind of curious, how do you keep yourself growing? How do you keep yourself, you know, just um, challenged, growing um, and, and learning? I mean, obviously you said you're a lifelong learner. I, I, I know that. Um, but like, what's your, what's your methodology? How do you, how do you keep growing? Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I'm in Vistage. Yep. yep. Uh, and I think Vistage is awesome because it's a great sounding board, right? They, sometimes call um, what happens in Vistage carefrontational, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's a good kind of check um, on what you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. So Vistage is very helpful to me in that regard. Um, I've got an, an amazing executive coach now that, that you right. know, Regina Bryan, yep. who's fantastic. Yeah. Can't say enough great things about her. And so I think that's great to have somebody to talk through what's going on and help you process mm-hmm. it. Um, I'm also a really, I'm just a voracious reader, yeah, right? I read sure. 76 books last year. Oh my gosh. That's um, I, I, you know, I just uh, like, I've read nine books in the month of January. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, and so I read a lot. I, yeah. you know, if I'm doing laundry. I have an audio book in, if I'm walking, yeah. I have an audio book in yeah. and it's not all, they're not all business books. Some of them sure. are, you know, geography books. Some of them are are, um, you know, just fiction. Sometimes I say I love fiction because I've got a lot of real things in my life. Like I could use some things that aren't real. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right. But but I think that that reading for me is, you know, so if I'm in the car, um, you know, I I listen to a lot of books on tape. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And and so, you know, Mm -hmm. listening to stuff like your podcast and and picking up like from other business leaders, you know, what are they Mm -hmm. doing? How are they growing? I think right. that's how, you know, you model yourself out of, after successful people that you love what they're doing and you appreciate them. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think it's just exposure. It's a constant exposure to, to new ideas, to new methods, sure. to new ways of thinking about things. And, and those yeah. are some of the ways that I, you know, bring all that stuff in and, um, yeah. and get I, those. I, oh gosh. I love that. I, 
I can't imagine 76 books. I thought I read a lot and, and I think I had like 25 books last night, last year. So, so you killed me. I mean, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy. My mom is, you know, my mom and dad are always like, oh, you gotta get your head out of a book. But I mean, I do love, you know, I'm hiking Appalachian trail, like I fly fish, you know? So yeah. I do a lot of outdoor stuff. I have a lot of other things. So it's not like, I'm, yeah. I'm not like just a bookworm. Right. right but I do, right. I do love to read. And I think audio books have, have, that's really revolutionized like how much, you know, and sure. I, maybe some people would say, I would say half those are audio and half those are real, real book books, right? Books, yeah, maybe sure. People would say, well, you can't count those audio books as reading, right? Oh, but, I disagree, uh, but, it, yeah. but it's consuming content, right? Absolutely. And that's however you, however works for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree because I think that being able to be exposed to other thinking and other you know, the authors have had other experience. What better way to be mentored than through a book? I mean, it's just a great, great way to, to, to grow. So I love that. Well, um, Jacqueline, thank you so much for, for sharing your journey with us. Um, I, I really appreciate it. I, I loved uh, the conversation and I love being able to get to, you know, know you and your firm and, and um, really being able to, to interact. And, and so if there's uh, anything that you want to leave the audience with, um, you know, to just kind of call this conversation complete, um, what would that be? And, and then where do people come and, and find out more about your organization? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it is keep it about the people, right? Yeah, yeah, keep it about that. the people, not about the money. The money will yeah. follow. You'll, the money will come if you do it, if you do the right thing. Right. And so that's been, that's, you know, I, the reason, the whole reason I think we've been blessed is that we've yeah. kept it. Yeah. Um, and then how to get in contact with me. LinkedIn is great. I'm um, Jacqueline Jordan core on LinkedIn or um, our contact information is on our firm website. Uh, which is www.jordanvoitech.com. So it's J-O-R-D-O-N. I'm an O-N Jordan, not an A-N Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Um, J-O-R-D-O-N-V-O-Y-T-E-K.com. So happy to, happy to connect with anyone. I uh, love that. Well, we will make sure that all of that is in the show notes as well. My my uh, podcast team will put that in the show notes so that people, if they're if they're walking or they're hiking or they're working out or whatever, they're driving, uh, they can go to the show notes later and, and click on that and be able to connect with you. So, thank Jacqueline, you so thank you. Opportunity, appreciate uh, it. It's great to have you here and great to be able to have this conversation. So, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, that was such a great conversation. I, I love that last line, keep it about the people, the money will come. I mean, I think that that really sums up the conversation really, really well. But there were a couple of points that I just wanted to kind of bring to your attention because I think it's really important to take a look at kind of our history and, and see the value that the teachers in our lives have. And and for those of you who are teachers, um, you, you know, you never know the, 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 the influence that you're going to have on people's lives, on, on, on kids' lives. And so that value of a teacher to influence and, and really unlock the curiosity within um, the students is immense. And, and so you can see what one teacher did for this individual, this leader, to be able to impact so many other people. So I think that's really important for us to, to remember that even as leaders, we are a teacher. We are teachers as leaders. And so if we're going to have an intentional culture, if we're going to have an intentional growth of our team, 
we're going to be a teacher. And so that influence is really important. And so we can really unlock the curiosity and the, the potential within the people that we lead if we are aware of it. And, and, and really the key to growth uh, is, is a mindset and a love of learning. I think that Jacqueline really talked uh, a lot about that and how she had that, 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 that unsatiable or insatiable love of learning. And I think that that's a really important for us to remember as leaders. And, and the other thing that she said was, I, and I, I really love this about around culture. Really, it's all about a culture of connecting and, and being able to create a really engaging workplace by connecting with the people in our organization and making those human connections and really understanding what motivates them, what helps them, and really being able to adapt to their their needs and their wants and and their desires. And, and I know that that is really hard for a lot of people who were programmed in a different era, but I'm telling you right now, that's gonna be the challenge and that's gonna be the challenge of working in this workplace um, going forward. But really, um, once you have a a, a connection with our people or with your people and and develop an engaging workplace, you're going to really see that it, it makes it a lot easier to hire for the right fit for the team and being able to have um, people that are attracted to your desired culture. And, and that really just means, and, and that's what Jacqueline said, is meeting people with meeting people where they are. And, and, and I think that part of the challenge in, in building a, uh, an, an organization that is diverse and, and that um, is kind of like a family, um, it takes a lot of intentionality. It takes a lot of teaching and it, and it takes a lot, uh, a lot of time. And it can often feel like it slows you down. But really in the end, it makes all the difference in the world. And so by, by doing these things, by engaging your people, by getting to know them, by understanding their motivation, for, by teaching them the, the benefits of your behaviors and your, your fundamentals of your culture, um, it's going to make the team better. And it's going to make your work and your workplace so much more meaningful. And, and when you do that, you're going to have a, a lot of engaged employees who really will, will fight and protect your company culture. So I hope that this conversation was really helpful for you, especially if you're a leader who is looking to be intentional around your culture and around your your people uh, engagement. I know it's a big topic and we're going to have others come on and and, and share their perspective on on how to become uh, an an employer of choice and really get your people to to really be engaged. And so... um, Keep listening to In the Growth Space and, 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 and make sure that you subscribe because when you subscribe, the, 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 the episodes get automatically uh, downloaded and um, you'll have access right away to these conversations. Thank you so much for, for listening. I want to just say thank you to all of our listeners because um, it's really meaningful when I hear back um, about how a, an episode has impacted you. And uh, I would just encourage you that if, if, if any of our episodes have encouraged you, please send us a note. Send, send me and my team a note, david at davidmclennan.com, and we'd love to hear that. And, and while you're at it, um, scroll to the place on your podcast app where you can actually give us a, a, a rating 
and write us a review. That really means a lot to us. So thanks so much again for listening. And until next time, be well and stay in that growth space. Thank you.